Some big names around the NFL have requested trades from their teams like Chargers running back Austin Eckler, Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker Devin White, and of course, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. But if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'm going after one player and one player only when it comes to the trade market, and that's Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make a Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, a part of Sports Illustrated Span Nation, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to break down what the draft pool is and what it means to the New Orleans Saints salary cap space. We'll go through all of that. We'll also take a look at our midweek mock draft that included some trade-ups, particularly in the uh, second and third days. But first, I want to tell you why I think the New Orleans Saints should absolutely go out and try to trade for Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro. Now, there are a couple of caveats that I want to add for this, but the biggest takeaway that you should know from the very beginning is that trading for Hunter Renfro would be a good move for the New Orleans Saints, especially now. In fact, it might even be a better idea now than it was before that March deadline that set into place where the Raiders, where we thought the Raiders might end up trading him away, but now they end up owing him a $4.3 million roster bonus. So that actually makes it cheaper for the New Orleans Saints to trade for him at this time. So there's a couple of different things that I want to look at here in terms of what the compensation would look like, how much the Saints would owe if they did trade for Hunter Renfro, how they would end up kind of skirt-skirting that a little bit and things like that. But the first thing that I want to point out here is that there are a few different players out there on the market right now that are saying, hey, I don't want to be with my team anymore. Trade me. Lamar Jackson, of course, is the headline one. He's not going anywhere. Doesn't seem likely. The Ravens just signed... um, Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. to a $15 million deal that's guaranteed, by the way, and can go up to $18 million. Remember, the New Orleans Saints retained Michael Thomas on an incentive-heavy deal at $6.26 million guaranteed. The Saints coming out on a much better side of that wide receiver deal than maybe the Baltimore Ravens will with Odell Beckham Jr., unless, of course, both have you know spectacular seasons, then everything all kind of evens out. But really, really interesting to just kind of see the two different dynamics of those deals getting done. The other couple of players, Austin Eckler, we discussed in yesterday's episode. You can go back and check that out if you like. Don't think that that's a good move. i tell you why there. And then Devin White, which is an interesting one. And I think the Devin White idea is dependent upon how the Saints feel about their starters in Demario Davis and Pete Werner, particularly Pete Werner. Are they worried about Pete Werner's injury history, or not injury history, but are they worried about the injury that he had last year? Are they worried that he's not starter material, things like that? I don't get the sense that that's the case. So going after Devin White to effectively be your, when your biggest need is the third linebacker spot, not necessarily a starting spot, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But if you're going to trade for a linebacker that's on the fifth year of his rookie deal, which is just a little bit over $11 million, you're probably trading for him because you expect him to be your starter 
moving forward. But are you going to be willing to come up with the 20, you know, 19, 20, 18, 17, whatever million dollars per year to get his extension done or not? Like that becomes the big thing for me. So I don't know that Devin White makes a lot of sense for the New Orleans Saints, but could if they ended up making that move and were willing to shell out that, that amount of money. But Hunter Renfro, you'll be hard pressed to get me to find a negative in the idea of this trade. Let's look at what it would take. So trading for Hunter Renfro, I'm looking at this as at the absolute most, maybe pick 71 at the absolute least around five selection. And that pick 71 is the third round selection. So if you were looking at running, I'm sorry, wide receiver in your top 100 anyway, trading 71 to get Hunter Renfro, not a bad deal. The issue there though, is that if you've got, if you look at the Saints draft picks, they've got three top 100 selections and then four below the top 100 because, or outside the top 100, actually five outside the top 100, because they have 115 in the fourth, two fifths, two sevenths, which are inherently outside of top 100 as well. So that 115 in the fourth really gives you the opportunity to move around a little bit, maybe get into the top 100, but also 71 to 40 from the second round to the third round. Are you willing to wait that long? All those other things. So my ideal situation would be trading a fifth round selection for Hunter Renfro. And that's not too outlandish. We're at the point in the NFL offseason where veteran player value is down. You can see that with Quentin Jefferson getting a $3.5 million deal uh, over where he just signed. But then trade market or the, the trade market or the trade value of draft picks is the highest that it's going to get up until, of course, draft day. That's evident in the recent Jeff Okuda to the Atlanta Falcons trade, where the Falcons traded just a fifth round pick for a player that plays a premier position, a player that is still on a rookie cornerback, or excuse me, a rookie contract, and is also a player that still has a pretty high ceiling drafted number three overall. Now, we all knew Jeff Okuda was not going to amount to that level of play being a top 10, top five selection, but still, you're getting a rookie contract player on a premier position. And before you say, hey, Ross, cornerback's premier position, but so is wide receiver. Remember that Hunter Renfro plays slot receiver, which is viewed differently in the NFL than outside receiver, just like slot corner is viewed differently in the NFL than outside corner and safety, hence why a guy like C.J. Garner-Johnson, for instance, didn't get the contract that he wanted in New Orleans. So that's sort of how I arrived to where we look at the value for Hunter Renfro. If a fifth-round pick can get a premier position player on a rookie deal, then a fifth-round pick should be able to get a slot-wide receiver that's on a pretty sizable deal. His cap hit originally going into the season was $13.1 million. Now, the Raiders have already had to pay out a $4.3 million roster bonus earlier this offseason. So because of that, it makes it a little bit less than $9 million this year. But because he had a total of $23 million due on his deal, that $4.3 million knocks it down to around $19 million over the next two years. That's a pretty sizable hit for a third wide receiver at best on your roster. So I think that because of the amount of money that you're bringing in and that you're taking on with that contract, the value of the pick that you're willing to surrender should be lower. So it shouldn't be a third round pick, could be a fourth round pick, should be a fifth round pick, in my opinion. So what exactly do you do? You bring him in, he costs $9 million against your salary cap. You can restructure that to immediately knock that down or not. You've got 14 plus million dollars available on the salary cap right now. I imagine restructuring would be an option for New Orleans or potentially extending and then knocking down that first year cap hit that way so that they end up um, having some money they can roll over into the season. And I'm sure they'd love to roll over some money into 2024 as well. Because remember, 
whatever you don't use in one year rolls over to the next year. And Michael Thomas has a bunch of incentives that are going to be, quote, not likely to be earned, which means they're going to count against the 2024, uh, 2024 salary cap if he hits those incentives. So you want to have that extra pocket of money stored away because of that. So what does Hunter Renfro bring you if you can get him to New Orleans? Let's say it takes a fifth and a future sixth or something like that. Happy to do it. He gives you a pure slot receiver in this offense, which the Saints don't really have right now. It allows you to utilize Rashid Shaheed in a bit more, a bit more strategically as opposed to having him out there all the time. You can now bring him out in certain situations, certain looks, things like that. You can play to his strengths and not necessarily show your hand to the opposing defense. It also adds a pair of safe hands in this offense and chemistry with Derek Carr. Now, I know that the Saints went out and they got Brian Edwards. Wouldn't necessarily call those safe hands just yet. Want to see those in camp, but he's somebody that's got chemistry with Derek Carr, but Hunter Renfro brings you both of those things. He brings you a skill set also that you don't necessarily have in this offense right now, which is somebody that can line up in a slot and that can make those tough catches in congested situations. The only wide receiver that has a proven ability to be able to do that, and it's moderately proven, not fully proven, is Traquan Smith. And I don't know if Traquan Smith is going to be on the roster in 2023, especially if they were to make a move like this. So he's done it more consistently over the course of his time, going back to just 2021, over a thousand yards receiving. So that's exactly what you would like to add. Doesn't necessarily have to hit that mark, but you want to add that level of potential to your offense as your third wide receiver. Traquan Smith has not shown that he has that kind of potential. Effectively, you make a trade for Hunter Renfro to bring him to New Orleans to be what you hoped what you hoped that Jarvis Landry was able to be or was going to be in last year's acquisition uh, in free agency when they brought Jarvis Landry in, assuming that Hunter Renfro plays and stays healthy. Remember, he had the concussion last year. So as long as he does that, he can be exactly what you thought Jar- Jarvis Landry was going to be for this offense, which is a chain mover, somebody that's going to continue to pick up first downs and continue to allow you to string together drives, something the New Orleans Saints could not do, particularly in second halves last year. So something to watch in terms of uh, a potential player that the Saints could go after in this year's trade market. So watch out for Hunter Renfro. The door should not be closed there just yet. Coming up next, if the Saints were to add Hunter Renfro, wide receiver kind of comes off the board in terms of a need in this year's draft for depth. And that could be good news because then that maximizes the amount of times that the Saints could potentially move around. So I've got two trade-ups to get a fifth, or excuse me, a fourth top 100 selection and a fifth top 150 selection in this year's draft. We'll discuss who I walked away with, what trades I made, all of that coming up next as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM, the absolute best mobile game you're going to get if you are a football fan who loves the off season because you get to do it all. Salary cap management, hiring and firing, coaches, coordinators, sports psychologists, team doctors, all of that. You also get to do the draft, free agency, backload contracts, front load contracts. You have so much freedom, upgrade facilities, all of the things that that old video game that never paid attention to its franchise mode the way that it should have, this is going to give you. All the things you miss there, you get with Ultimate Pro Football GM. You get to be a GM and manage your own football franchise. So if you want to check it out, head over to ultimate-gm.com today or search Ultimate Pro Football GM in your app store. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On in all caps to get a 100% free boost to your franchise in the game store as well. Once again, it's promo code Locked On in all caps. Once again, you can find it. Ultimate-gm.com, Ultimate Pro Football GM. Start your dynasty today. All 
right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints with our midweek mock draft, including some trade-ups because I wanted an extra top 100 selection. I hate the fact that the Saints have three top 100 selections and five outside of the top 100. That means you should be able to get a fourth top 100 selection in this year's draft. So let's go and get it and see what we can do uh, in terms of getting it all done. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Don't forget to come and check out tomorrow's episode. We're going to dive into an edge rusher that hasn't really been talked about for the New Orleans Saints, and it mostly has to do with his size. But if he puts on a little bit of poundage, he could absolutely get there. And that's Kansas State edge rusher Felix Anudike Uzama. We're going to actually speak about him a little bit today, but we're really going to dive into his tape tomorrow. So make sure you don't miss that here on Locked on Saints. All right. So for today, these mock drafts. So I kind of did this mock draft with the idea that the Saints handled wide receiver, probably not a trade for Hunter Renfro, although I think that they should do that. But let's say that they feel either comfortable at wide receiver or they go out and they grab somebody else. They feel really good. I, I didn't lodge or 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 leverage rather um, wide receiver as a need in this one. I kind of went with pass catcher instead. So my goals were top 100 selections on interior defensive line, guard, running back, and edge rusher. That's where I wanted to spin my four top 100 selections, which meant I had to go and get a top 100 selection first. And then I also wanted to add to tight end or pass catcher and linebacker depth for that pass catcher. I ended up going with a tight end. So let's just go over the couple of trades that I did first. According to the Rich Hill trade chart, this all kind of worked out. I was able to move 115 and 146, as well as a six from next year in order to get to pick number 96 with the Arizona Cardinals. That allowed me to move up. And then the second trade that I did was 165 and 227 and a future selection in order to get up to round five, 150. So allowed me to move up 15 spots there. So I know that I'm getting some future comp picks and things like that next year. So I'm not so worried about moving, moving future draft capital. So I was totally happy to make those moves. So that's what we're looking at here. Let's go ahead and take a look at the actual draft itself. So for the draft itself, the way that I went about this is that I picked up Mozzie Smith at pick 29, my first round selection, the interior defensive lineman. I went with Mozzie Smith, and I'll be honest with you, Brian Brissy was on the board when I made this selection. I could have gone with either one, but Mozzie Smith has just been a little bit more consistent. I know Brian Brissy has been dealing with a lot of stuff and dealt with a lot of stuff last year, but I, I like the consistency of Mozzie Smith. I like the fact that he's somebody that can be disruptive in the pass game, as well as somebody that can be very, very beneficial for you in the run game. So that was my number one selection. And my second round pick here at pick 40 was Felix Anudike Uzama. So exactly the player that I was discussing that we're going to break down a little bit further in tomorrow's episode. But for right now, I wanted to start off with selecting him in this draft because he fell to 40. So now I've got a starter at defensive interior. I've got a starter at edge as well. So I have a lot of opportunity here to be able to just kind of play around and do whatever I want for the rest. That checks off two of those boxes in terms of investing top 100 selections at interior defensive line and edge rusher. The reason that I went with DK Uzama is because of the fact that he's somebody that wins with bend around the edge and is fantastic when it comes to getting after the passer. Pro Football Focus calls him a second round prospect who has the highest floor of any pass rusher or edge rusher in this year's class. That's a really good starting spot and perhaps a place where the New Orleans Saints haven't usually taken the time to invest. They've usually gone with sort of the developmental guys early. And Yudike Izama, not that guy. He's not necessarily going to bring a ton to the run game, though. So maybe that's where the disconnect is between the New Orleans Saints and Yudike Izama. But for me, I'm all about it. We'll break him down a little bit further in tomorrow's episode as well. Pick number uh, 71 over uh, in the third round. I went with uh, Tulane wide, excuse me, Tulane running back Tajay Spears. 
Now, the pro football focus grade for this trade is low. I don't care about the grades, however, not on the draft simulator. I look at the need for the team and whether or not the player fits that need. And Tajay Spears absolutely fits the need for the New Orleans Saints. And I'd love to keep the kid home here in New Orleans. Uh, He would love to stay home here in New Orleans as well. But the Saints may not draft him. They may look at another running back as well. Totally fine. They're visiting with guys. Um, uh, Kendra Miller, they have a, a, a visit coming up with uh, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA, who's one of my other favorite running backs in this year's class. Jameer Gibbs could be an option. Uh, 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 the, the kid from UAB could be an option. There's so many different options in this year's class, but I love what Tajay Spears brings you as somebody that can run between the tackles. That is a fantastic tackle breaker as well. Over 60 missed tackles for us last year, over a thousand yards after contact last year, one of the tops across the nation at that category, according to Pro Football Focus, and can catch out of the backfield, run routes for you out of the backfield, all of that. Too too good to pass up here at 71. And then I picked 96 because I wanted to invest in guard as well in this year's class in the top 100. Could have gone tight end, wanted to go guard here. Chandler Zavala out of North Carolina State. Uh, Pretty solid when it comes to pass blocking, very good when it comes to run blocking as well. Just a guy that you know you can bring in and see how he can challenge in multiple spots. Um, Somebody brought up an interesting question to me on Twitter. Should the New Orleans Saints be interested in investing at center as well, potentially in this year's class? I do think that there's there's an interesting thing to be said there because behind behind Eric McCoy, they've had to move Cesar Rees over to center anytime that Eric McCoy gets hurt. So I do think that that's a place where you could potentially see them maybe look after the draft and training camp, bringing in some guys there, maybe revisiting some guys they've had in the past, all of that. But for right now, I'm focused on guard and making sure that you have somebody that could potentially contend at left guard, but also be ready at left or right guard, depending upon Andrus Pete and Cesar Reese's contract situation after this year, both of which in contract years, unless Cesar Reese gets his fifth year option picked up, which is looking less and less likely as the days roll along. Now we get to outside the top 100, pick 150, Davis Allen, 91 plus percent contested catch rate during his time. Big body, good blocker as well. I like him a lot. He was an easy ad. And then I kept my very, very last selection, round seven, pick 257, and went with linebacker Ben Van Sumren out of Michigan State, one of my favorite linebacker prospects in this year's class. Reminds me a ton of Caden Ellis, not just because I'm drafting him in the seventh round, but ridiculous athleticism, great 40 time, uh, 42 inch vertical, 11 foot, one inch broad jump, if I'm recalling correctly, massively athletic. All of the reasons that the Saints went after Caden Ellis, Ben Van Summer impacts as well. So I like him toward the end of this year's draft. So those are our uh, just six players. And that feels more realistic to what the New Orleans Saints might do in this year's draft as opposed to walk away with eight. Just as a quick review, uh, Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle out of Michigan State, led us off in round one. Round two, Felix Anudike Uzama out of uh, Kansas State, the edge rusher, running back Tajay Spears from here in New Orleans out of Tulane at 71. Chandler Zavala, the guard out of North Carolina State uh, at uh, 98 or 96, sorry, who I traded up for. And then Davis Allen and uh, Ben Van Summer in the tight end and linebacker respectively wrap up the draft here. So I really like this draft. Honestly, like if the Saints came out of the draft with these six players, I would be very, very happy because A, I would have 100%ed the the draft. Great job. But also, I mean, that's a really, really good blend of impact players, immediate impact players, and developmental players with a lot of promise like Davis Allen, as well as Ben Van Sumeren, so and, and, and Chandler Zavala. But walking away with those six players, really, really nice. And 
could still do more, could still do different things as well there. All right, coming up next, we're gonna wrap up the show by explaining what the heck a rookie pool is and then also uh, how much money the Saints need to store away for their rookie class and how that number works out. We got that coming up for you as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick explainer for our midweek fundamentals uh, uh, portion of the show here, looking at draft pools. What the heck is a draft pool and how much money is it going to cost the New Orleans Saints? So draft pool is the amount of money that a team sort of has to plan for knowing that there is a draft class on the way. Because when you draft those players, obviously, you have to pay for those players. And so the way that draft pools are sort of uh, acknowledged or kind of created or, or predicted is that basically every slot in the draft and every range of, uh, of players in the draft or, or selections in the draft has a certain number value attached to it. So of course, the earlier you're drafted, the more money you get paid, the later you get drafted, the less money you get paid. Pretty simple. So for the Saints who are picking 29th in round one, for instance, their round one selection isn't going to be but 2.34 million dollars. That's the most that it's going to be. And that includes both the signing bonus that comes with it as well as the base salary that comes with it. So that's the cap hit, not just, you know, one kind of like hidden area of the uh, of the deal. If you look at the highest number, you're getting into double digit millions, things like that. So the Saints can avoid that by not having the um, big sort of uh, uh, top 10 selection that I think, if I remember correctly, sits around like $4 million or something like that as the first year's cap hit. So for New Orleans, the way that you look at this is that they have picks one through four, two fifth round picks, two seventh round picks. Each of those has a specific number value attached to them. So it comes up as a total of nearly $9 million, just to, just to put an even round number around it, in terms of all eight of those selections. The trick here, though, is, is that it's not actually going to cost the Saints $8 million or nearly $9 million if they drafted all eight of those players. The way that it will actually work is that as players enter, based upon their cap hit, they end up knocking players out of what's called a top 51 cutoff. So at this point, the roster number is not 53, it's still 90. And it's 90 all the way now until after the last preseason game. So it's going to be one big old chop down from 90 to 53 this year, as opposed to going from 90 to 85, from 85 to 80, and then from 80 to 53. They're just going to cut the whole thing down after the final preseason game. So what that means is that right now, while you're carrying 90 players on your roster, not every one of those guys can count against your salary cap and you be expected to stay under the salary cap. That's just not realistic. So what the NFL does is that they only count the top 51 cap hits on your roster out of those 90 players. So that means that whenever a player is added that's above somebody that's in the top nine, top 51, it knocks somebody out of the top 51. So right now, the Saints sort of cutoff is about $940,000 in terms of a cap hit. That includes a guy like Andrew Dowell. That's basically what his contract is, who they just re-signed. So that number will sit at the bottom of the top 51 cutoff. Right now, that list of players there is about six different players getting paid $940,000 and then one more player getting paid $982,000. So for, for even all eight of these selections, only four of them come out to more than $940,000. That's the first, second, third, and fourth round selections. Everything after that, both fifths and both sevenths are below that. So those 
two fifth round picks, those two seventh round picks wouldn't even count against the salary cap up until they make the roster later on down the road, at which time you're, you know, you're all 53 count and everything like that. But you've got guys that are moving on that aren't, you know, that are you're cutting that you're moving on from all those other things. So the Saints bottom four selections wouldn't count. And then their top four selections would only count up to $6 million, a little bit over, but we'll just call it $6 million. It's like $6,004,000. So that means that when you take those four players and then add them to the top 51, and then you push the bottom four players out of the top 51, that saves you $3.76 million. So that means that you're only paying about $2.2 million for your draft class. So that's the way that this all works out. And that can move up to about like $3.2 million for your draft class. So that's the way that this all works out. So the way that you calculate the draft pool is you look at the specific selections and the number value attached to those selections and you add all of that up. But then you have to consider which of those players comes in under the cutoff for that specific team, which varies team to team, and how many players get pushed out of the top 51 by adding new players into the top 51. So that's how you get away with, instead of having to pay nearly $9 million for your draft class, you're really looking at just $2.2 million because some of the guys you're already paying for get kicked out of the calculation. So with the draft that we just did with the six selections, the Saints top four selections would still count against their salary cap and fall within their top 51. And the fourth of those selections, instead of being at 115, remember we drafted at 96. So the price limit is, the the, the cost is a little bit higher. It's about $23,000 higher, not by very much. So instead of there being about $6,004,000 counting against the salary cap, we're talking about $6,027,000 counting against the salary cap. That's it. And then remember that you're still pushing $3.7 million out of the top 51. So it's still $2.3 million that you're paying up to $3.2 million as opposed to 2.2. So that's the way that it ends up working. So for the Saints, the fewer selections that they take, the lesser amount of money that's going to be committed to their draft pool, but the more top 100 selections they take, the more people get kicked out of that top 51. So it kind of helps you to balance the books in a way that's not completely like wringing you dry at all. So the Saints should be in very, very good hands, especially with over $14 million of salary cap space left available. So that's the way the top 51 cutoff works. That's the way that the salary cap is managed over the course of the offseason. And that's the way that rookie pools work and how it'll affect the New Orleans Saints salary cap. So if anybody says, hey, well, the New Orleans Saints still have to pay for their salary cap or pay for their rookies, you can say, yeah, at most, like $3 million is all that they need to get that done because of that top 51 cutoff and the amount of players that can be pushed out of that number. All right. Coming up in tomorrow's episode, Felix and Yudike Uzama. We're breaking them down. The Kansas State edge rusher who is said to have the highest floor amongst all edge rushers. What would he have to do to fit the Saints prototype? One. Uh, Number two, how effective could he be in the New Orleans system? And three, what are the pluses and minuses around him? We're going to break all of that down in no particular order in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always making us your first listen of the day every day. Sorry for the weird upload schedule this week. We'll be back to normal uh, late this week and early next week as well. For your second listen today, make sure you go and check out Locked on NFL Scouting, the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, giving you everything you need to know about what it takes to build a successful NFL franchise. You can find that on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. 
Appreciate you as always for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you that nation. I'll holler at you.